0: Log Talk Radio. There is a watchman on the wall Bringing forth the written word of God to one and all on the
1: wall, listen to the and Watchmen on the wall. Vincent Xavier, pastor of New Wine Ministries. Great to be with you today. So glad you're with us. We're going to have a very quick one-hour broadcast. And so for those of you who join us first thing in the morning, God bless you. I want to begin today by reading an article to you that I think is a good reminder for the times that we are living in. And this article comes from a very reliable source. It's the Prophecy News Watch. And this is a reminder of the nuclear weapons Russia has developed since the Cold War days, just in case people have forgotten. Even though war has erupted in Ukraine, most Americans still do not believe that a nuclear war with Russia is a serious threat. The Cold War doctrine of, quote-unquote, mutually assured destruction has been pounded into our heads so many times that most people simply assume that it would be unthinkable for either side to attempt a nuclear strike. That may have been true in the 1980s, but things have changed dramatically since that time. The Russians have developed some extremely impressive weapons and anti-missile systems since the end of the Cold War, but most Americans don't even know that they exist. So let's start with the RS-28 Sarmat. While the U.S. still relies on hopelessly outdated Minuteman III missiles that first went into service in 1970, the Russians have developed the most advanced intercontinental ballistic missiles on the entire planet. The RS-28, sometimes known as the Satan II, has been in development since 2014 and was famously described as capable of wiping out parts of the earth the size of Texas or France by Russia's state-owned media. The missile has a range of 6,385 miles and carries a warhead jam packed with multiple independent re-entry vehicles, or MIRVs, that boasts a combined destructive yield of 50 megatons. In other words, the RS-28 Sarmat carries a destructive yield greater than 35 times that of the Minuteman 3. So America's most powerful nuclear bomb in service, the B-83, also boasts just a 1.2 megaton yield. And even the most powerful nuclear weapon in American history, the nine megaton B-53 rings in at less than one-fifth the yield of the mighty Sarmat. The U.S. military has no way to defend, to defend against the Sarmat. The Russians have also developed a very alarming line of hypersonic missiles that we have no way to defend against. In fact, the Russians just released footage of the Zircon hypersonic nuclear missile, which can travel at speeds of up to 7,000 miles per hour. Meanwhile, the U.S. is way behind both the Russians and the Chinese when it comes to developing hypersonic missiles. But if the Russians were to hit the U.S. with a surprise first strike, they would probably utilize their black hole submarines. The mainstay of the Russians' uh, Navy... Conventionally powered fleet are Project 877-class marine, submarines, known as the Kilo-class to NATO in the West. Nicknamed the Black Hole submarine by the U.S. Navy, the improved kilos are extremely quiet. The class has been built more or less continuously for 30 years, a testament to their effectiveness at sea. So these black hole submarines were designed to be as quiet as possible, and that makes them ideal for a sneak attack. Now, uh, let me just interject a thought to the, the conversation. Uh, who was it, Henry Groover? Uh, I think Patricia and I were driving somewhere through Arizona the first time we heard of Henry Groover. We're probably talking 25 years ago. And as we were traveling, it was Henry Groover's uh, open vision of submarines that were lining up, yeah, I think it was the West Coast or East Coast, I, I think it was the East Coast, and that there would be a nuclear submarine attack against the United States in the last days. And somebody might look that up about Henry Gruber's uh, vision of the, the nuclear submarines. So, <clears throat> and that, because they're so quiet, it, it would make it possible for a surprise or sneak attack. So a lot of silencing went into the kilos. The hull is described as having the approximate shape of a drop of water and greatly reducing water resistance over older World War II-era submarine designs. The propulsion plant is isolated on a rubber base so it doesn't touch the hull, preventing vibrations from turning into noise that can be heard outside the boat. The ship has a submarine anechoic coating, to deaden noise emanating from the submarine, which occasionally gives the submarines a blocky appearance, noticeable in photographs. The air regeneration system can keep the crew supplied with oxygen for up to 260 hours, giving the ship almost two weeks' worth of underwater endurance. So these submarines have the ability to sneak up to our coastlines without us even realizing that they are there. And once they launch their missiles, we would only have a few moments to respond. As terrifying as that sounds, many experts are even more concerned about a submarine-launched weapon known as Poseidon. Unlike the submarine-launched nuclear missiles both Russia and the United States maintain as a part of their nuclear triads, the Status Six, sometimes called Poseidon, or by its NATO designation of Canyon, is actually a submersible drone. Once deployed by a Russian Navy submarine, the drone can travel autonomously toward its target covering more than 5,400 miles at depths as low as 3,300 feet. Once it finds its target, the status six simply parks and waits for the command to detonate we would never see the Poseidon coming. Uh, Theoretically, the Russians could deploy Poseidons to all of our major coastal cities and detonate them all simultaneously. Just take a few moments to think about what that would mean. And it has been reported that some Russian officials have said that the Poseidon can be equipped with a 100 megaton weapon. On board, this submersible drone is an absolutely massive warhead with some claims saying it carries the same nuclear yield as the RS-28, and others claiming twice that. According to some Russian officials, the Status-6 can be equipped with a 100 megaton weapon, which is two times more powerful, powerful than the largest nuclear weapon ever tested. A detonation of that magnitude... Would not only destroy and irradiate or irradiate a massive area, its positioning underwater would result in a radioactive tsunami that would reach far further inland than the blast itself. In no uncertain terms, the Status 6 is intended to serve as a doomsday weapon. It's the sort of weapon you build not to win wars but to end them. Such a weapon could destroy New York City in the blink of an eye. But all of these offensive weapons won't do the Russians much good if they can't defend against our missiles. Unfortunately for us, the Russians have developed the most advanced anti-missile system in the world. The S-400 and the A-135 are vastly superior to anything that we have. And now the extremely sophisticated S-500 is being put into service. The S-500 is designed for intercepting and destroying intercontinental ballistic missiles as well as hypersonic cruise missiles and aircraft for air defense against airborne early warning and control and for jamming aircraft. With a planned range of 600 kilometers or 370 miles for anti-ballistic missiles or ABMs and 500 kilometers or 310 miles for air defense, the S-500 would be able to detect and simultaneously engage up to 10 ballistic hypersonic targets flying at speed of 5 kilometers per second, that's 3.1 miles to the second, to a limit of 4.3 miles per second. That's really fast, right? So it also aims at destroying hypersonic cruise missiles and other aerial targets at speeds of higher than Mach 5, as well as spacecraft. So the altitude of a target engaged can be as high as 110 to 120 miles. It is effective against ballistic missiles with a launch range of 2,200 miles. The radar reaches a radius of 3,000 kilometers, um, which is one square, uh, 1,300 kilometers for the EPR uh, one square meter other targets. It has been announced to defend against include unmanned aerial vehicles, low-Earth orbit satellites, and space weapons launched from hypersonic aircraft and hypersonic orbital platforms. If Russia were to launch a nuclear attack against us, we would definitely be destroyed. But most Americans don't realize that the Russians now have systems that have been specifically designed to handle whatever we might throw at them. In other words, the balance of power has shifted, but most of our leaders continue to mock the idea that the Russians are a threat to us. For example, just consider these recent comments from U.S. Senator Lindsey Graham. Senator Lindsey Graham, Republican from South Carolina, echoed Rice's sentiment that the conflict will not escalate to the most dire situation. Here's what he said. Well, it's not going to be World War III. This is all a bluff, Graham said during an appearance on Sunday Morning Futures. Putin knows that no one wins a nuclear exchange. If he ordered a strike on the United States, a general would shoot him in the head. That's what Lindsey, Graham's, uh, group, <laughs> Lindsey Graham said. In, it is this sort of thinking that could eventually get all of us killed. Without a doubt, I believe that the Russians do not actually want a nuclear war, But the Russians have been preparing for one for several decades. And when that day finally arrives, it won't be the U.S. that has the upper hand. And that's where we're going to begin our broadcast today. Nuclear war, suitcase nuclear weapons, dirty bombs, um, terrorists activated, Russia, China, Iran, enemies of the United States, enemies of the West, if you will. Um, The Bible actually predicts that this is going to happen. As a matter of fact, if we go to Revelation chapter 13, Revelation chapter 13, keeping everything in perspective, here's what we read. And I thought this was very interesting. It says in Revelation 13, verse 1, and I stood upon the sand of the sea. Now, this is the apostle John on the island of Patmos for the word of God. He was a prisoner there. But while he was there, he was having these transports into the very throne room of God. He was in the spirit. He was taken into all these different experiences. What a great way to spend the, re- the end of your life. Right? It would be a great way to spend your whole life. But he said that at one point that he was, he was standing on the sand of the sea. So there was a beach there on the island of Patmos. So he's standing there and he's looking out. And I saw a beast rise up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and upon his horns ten crowns, and upon his heads the name of blasphemy. And the beast which I saw was like unto a leopard. His feet were as the feet of a bear, and his mouth as the mouth of a lion and the dragon gave him his power and his seat and great authority so here john sees a singular beast it's one beast it has seven heads with blasphemy on its heads it has 10 crowns every one of the or 10 horns every one of those horns have a crown which means they are ruling there's there's kingship there and this is a singular beast of a leopard a bear and a lion, a leopard, a bear, and a lion. This is a seven-headed, ten-horned leopard, bear, lion beast coming up out of the sea. He gets his power from a great red dragon, right? So he gets his power from the dragon, which gave him his power and his seat and great authority. So whoever the dragon is, is giving this beast power, a seat, and great authority. A seat in what? Maybe in the United Nations. Let's take a look at this. Number one, who or where in Scripture do you find anybody talking about a lion, a leopard, and a bear? Well, let's go to Daniel chapter 7. In Daniel chapter 7, it tells us exactly what this means and who these nations were in antiquity, but there is also dualistic meaning in Bible prophecy. To that, there is no doubt. So in Daniel chapter 7, we read it this way. Daniel 7, 1. In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel had a dream and visions of his head upon his bed. Then he wrote the dream and told the sum of the matters. Now, I want you to know Daniel and the book of Revelation are like hand in glove. There's so much interaction in Daniel, the book of uh, Revelation that it's just uncanny how it's just totally connected to these minor little differences. John was standing on the sea, and he was looking out, and he saw this thing come out. Daniel's on his bed. He's having a dream or a vision on his bed. So they're seeing similarities, but they're so much alike. So here is what Daniel saw on his bed, in his head, in a dream. Daniel spoke and said, verse 2, Daniel 7, I saw in my vision by night... And behold, the four winds of the heaven strove upon the great sea. Now, in the Amplified Bible, I think it is, or one of the translations, it says that um, I saw, uh, what did he say? I saw in my vision by night, and behold, the four winds, which represented, in this translation, political and social agitations, so Daniel is seeing the four winds of heaven representing political and social agitations blowing on what? Upon the great sea, the great sea of humanity. So what he saw, Daniel, in his vision were political and social agitations blowing upon the nations of the earth all over the world. And then he said when that, that those winds, those political and social agitations were blowing upon the sea of humanity, he said four great beasts came up from the sea, diverse one from another. So in Daniel's vision, he's going to see four great beasts when the wind is blowing upon the sea of humanity. Now in the book of Revelation, chapter 7, we have four angels that are coming to release the four winds upon the nations of the earth. uh, Revelation 7, Daniel 7, you see these four winds. But the angels are not permitted to blow upon the earth until the servants of God are sealed. The very next thing we know is that the first four angels that have the four trumpets, they blow the wind through the trumpets and stuff happens all over the world. It's it's, it's an earth-shaking time. We can get into that in just a little bit. And then, of course, out of that turmoil, we have the great Revelation 13 chapter where a singular beast is coming up out of the sea. So back in Daniel, he saw four great beasts. Let's see who they are. He said the first was like a lion and had eagle's wings. I beheld till the wings thereof were plucked, and it was lifted up from the earth and made to stand, and made stand upon the feet as a man. And a man's heart was given to it. Now, many Bible prophecy teachers will tell us that that is the kingdom of Babylon. We're going to see that these beasts represent kingdoms, and that's going to be Very clear, and it's true. So a lot of people say that the eagle kingdom or the lion kingdom was the nation of Babylon, the present-day Babylon in Daniel's time. And then it says in verse 5, Behold, another beast, a second, like to a bear. And it raised up itself on one side, and it had three ribs in the mouth of it between the teeth of it. And they said unto it, arise devour much flesh so here we have a second beast a bear okay a second beast so we have Babylon the lion the first then we have this bear and it's lying on its side it has three ribs in its mouth it's told devour much flesh do a lot of destruction then it says in verse six after this I beheld and lo another so a third beast came up out of the sea of humanity and by the way The bear represented the Medio persian Empire. So you had the Babylonian Empire of the lion. Then you had the Medio persian Empire of the bear. Persia represents modern-day Iran, which is very interesting. All right, so you have that. And then in verse 6, I beheld and lo, another like a leopard, which had upon the back of it four wings of a fowl. The beast also had also four heads, and dominion was given to it. This is known as the Grecian Empire with the four generals that became part of that empire after um, the Grecian leader, Alexander the Great, was removed. There were four generals that came up out in his place. So there you have three independent empires, the Babylonian Empire, then came the Medio-Persian Empire, then came the Grecian Empire, and then the fourth, I believe is very clear that this is the Roman Empire, the Iron Kingdom, if you will. So that is what Daniel is talking about. if you keep reading just a little bit more, it'll tell you. uh, So let's take a look in verse 7. Well, no, before I get to verse 7, let's make a connection. Let's do this first. Daniel, laying on his bed, visions in his head, he sees these kingdoms rising. He sees Babylon. Then he sees the Medio persian kingdom. Then he sees the Grecian empire. Then he sees the Roman empire. He sees the succession of nations while Israel is a nation. Okay. They were in Babylon. They were alive during the, uh, the Medio persian empire as a nation. They were a nation Israel during the Grecian empire. They were certainly a nation during the Roman empire. So all these global one world governments, if you will, are independently ruling and one after the other while Israel's a nation. Okay, so in the book of Revelation, when John now is standing on the sea and he's seeing a singular beast, what is the beast? Well, he's got the seven heads. He's got the ten horns. We'll go back to Daniel and look at that in a moment. And then he sees what? He said, the beast which I saw was like unto a leopard. Well, that leopard kingdom existed In the book of Daniel, and his feet were as the feet of a bear. Ah, so it's not a different one. It's all connected. The bear, who is the bear today? And then it says, and his mouth was that of a lion. So we have the leopard, the bear, the lion of ancient kingdoms in the last days, in the finality of time, while the book of Revelation is unfolding, we have all these ancient singular empires coming back into existence. But they are one. It would be kind of like independent Islamic, uh, you know, sex, uh, S-E-C-T-S, and all of a sudden they become a caliphate. You know that in Islamic tradition, and if you read the Quran, if you read the Hadiths, uh, the Muslim world is looking for its caliphate. And the caliphate is the head of the caliphate. And the caliphate is a unification of all Islamic streams coming together as one which is very, very powerful, and we need to talk about that because, quite frankly, as we look at, well, who is the leopard? Who is the bear? Who is the lion? Well, today, um, Russia is called the bear. I mean, it's all about their symbolism of a bear. Um, this dragon in Revelation 13, the symbol of China today is the great red dragon. Uh, it's red communism, etc., etc. So you have this China somehow giving authority and power in a seat to the beast, which is a combination. And then, of course, you have the, uh, the, you have the bear, which represented also um, the Iran, modern-day Iran. So if you start putting things together, and uh, today is not the day for me to do this because of time limitations, but when we start putting things together, you begin to realize that what is going to happen at the end of time is that there is going to come a coalition. There's going to come a unification. And the unification is going to exist while the church is on this earth, just like Israel was existing during the time of these ancient empires. And they had to endure each one of them. We're living at the end of the ages where those who keep the commandments of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ are living at a time when a one-world government is coming to power. Revelation 13 is all about that one-world government. Somehow, China has power to give the beast power, authority, and a seat. And that seat represents a place at the table, if you will. And some people have said uh, that the uh, United Nations today has two major blocks. One is a communistic block, and the other is an Islamic block. And so there's a lot of power and authority there. So are we looking at a time coming that through NATO forces and uh, European unions and the United Nations, that there will become a one world government that will rise to power, be taken over by the Antichrist, and will rule the world and make it miserable, okay? The Bible actually talks about these things. To understand them, well, there are many interpretations, and quite frankly, it's not easy to do that. I mean, you think about the dragon and you look at China today, you think about the bear and you see Russia today, but then it has these seven heads and these ten horns as well. So who are the seven heads and the ten horns? We saw the independent nations of the lion, the leopard, the bear, and then the Iron Kingdom of Rome representing a massive global Um, you know, influence, as most of these ancient empires did. So let's go back to Daniel chapter 7 and look at verse 7. Daniel 7, 7. After this I saw in the night visions, behold, a fourth beast, dreadful and terrible, and strong exceedingly. It had great iron teeth that devoured in broken pieces and stamped the residue at the feet of it, And it was diverse from all the beasts that were before it. It had ten horns. I considered the horns, and behold, there came up among them another little horn, before whom there were three of the first horns plucked up by the roots. And behold, in this horn were eyes like the eyes of a man, and a mouth speaking great things. That is no other, none other, than the book of Revelation, chapter 13, known as the beast. Watch that says of the beast in Revelation 13, and I'll just pick it up in verse 3, Revelation 13, 3. I saw one of his heads as it were wounded to death. His deadly wound was healed. My wife believes, Patricia Joy believes that this is communism. We'll see. Or a communistic nation. Maybe Russia. Who else that was been wounded? Well, it's coming back to life again. All the world wondered after the beast. They worshipped the dragon, which gave power to the beast. They worship the beast, saying, who is like unto the beast who is able to make war with him? There was given unto him a mouth, going back to Daniel that we just read, right? But in Revelation 13, this beast was given a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies. And power was given unto him to continue 42 months. He opened his mouth in blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle and them that dwell in heaven. And it was given unto him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And power was given him over all kindreds and tongues and nations. And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. So if your name is not written in the Lamb's book of life during the time of this rising of this one world beast governmental system, um, you're going to be worshiping that beast. If not, you're the target of the beast. That's very clear. But notice this beast has given a mouth to speak great things and blasphemies, and he blasphemes everything about God. So back in Daniel 7, what does it do again? It says, I considered uh, considered the horns, and behold, there came up among them another little horn, before whom there were three of the first horns plucked up by the roots. So if you have ten horns and three are removed, that gives you seven, and then there came up one, that would be the eighth. That's important when we get to Revelation 17. It talks about the eighth one that will come. This is the beast, the one world government here. So, and behold, in his horn were eyes like the eyes of a man and a mouth speaking great things. So this eighth, who is made up of the seven, don't get confused on me with the math. Revelation 17 talks about, well, let's go there real quick. Ah. Uh, I should have done this a little bit slower, but here we go. So in Revelation chapter 17, here's what we read in verse 9. We'll just pick it up in verse 9. And here is the mind which has wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains. Now remember, earlier in Daniel it had seven heads. Well, here the interpretation is the seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sits. And then we know what a mountain is. In Bible prophecy, it tells us plainly it's a kingdom. All right, so seven heads, which represents seven mountains, which represents seven kingdoms, and every kingdom has a king. So it represents seven kings. So it says in verse 9, Revelation 17, here is the mind which has wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sits. There are seven kings five are fallen one is the other is not yet come and when he comes he must continue a short space all right let's do the, let's do the math on that by the time you get to revelation 17 here's what i believe is being said i could be wrong but i believe this is what is being said it says there are five there are seven mountains and there are seven kings all right so seven kings he said five are fallen So if you go back to the writing of the book of Revelation, and there are seven kingdoms or seven kings, and five are fallen, you go back in time to one of the first notable kingdoms while Israel is a nation, and we begin with the Egyptian empire, a one-world government while Israel is a nation. Number one, Egypt. Number two, Assyria, the Assyrian empire, while Israel is a nation. Then the Babylonian Empire, while Israel is a nation. Then the Medo-Persian Empire, number four, while Israel is a nation. Then, number five, the Grecian Empire, while Israel is a nation. So he says here, there are seven kings, five are fallen. So every king has a kingdom. So five kingdoms have fallen. And then he said, and one is, that would be number six, the Roman Empire. So at the time of the writing, it was the Roman Empire that is. And then it says, and the other, which would have been the sixth, the Roman Empire was the sixth, and the other is not yet come. So the seventh had not yet come. And when he comes, he must continue a short space. All right, so now we're looking after the collapse of the Roman Empire, who the seventh would be, and to understand that it would have a very short space of time to rule. And then what happens? So a lot of people have speculated maybe the Ottoman Empire, okay, uh, which came after the collapse of the Roman Empire. You had the Ottoman Empire. Others have said, well, I think we're talking about maybe the United States of America. Well, that's kind of hard to imagine, but not really when you see what America has become. And then, you know, regardless of who the seventh was, and America is the youngest of all nations, I mean, we're very young in comparison to the ancient empires of the past. And so it has a short space to rule as a global influence. And America has sent forth everything all over the world. We've been the superpower nation coming out of World War II. I think that's been very clear. But then after this seventh comes, then look what it says. Verse 11, and the beast that was and is not, even he is the eighth and is of the seven, and goes into perdition. So the eighth, which will come after the seven, is of the seven, which means what what was once independent has now become a oneness, a unity. So the eighth beast kingdom on the earth is made up of all the ancient empires of the past, a one-world government where the Antichrist, Lucifer, will be the head of this unification of one world global government. And it's made up of Egyptian, Medio Persian, Assyrian, Grecian, Roman, Babylonian, Babylon. Um, and all of these are integrated into this singular beast kingdom. And that is the eighth. That's the one, what is also known as what we're looking at in. Revelation chapter 13. Now, what happens when the when the eighth comes? He's of the seven. He goes into perdition. Then it talks about the ten horns, which you saw are ten kings. So again, you have ten kings extending from the seven heads, and they these kings which have received no kingdom as yet. So at the time, these kings two thousand years ago, when John is getting the revelation. They they haven't been crowned yet, but they will. So in this end time scenario of today, you could have the ten kings or the ten empires of Middle Eastern Islamic powers. It could be different, uh, you know, uh, ten different horns from some different place that will be connected to the ancient empires of the beast. Okay. And then it says... But they receive power as kings one hour with the beast. So they have a period of time they're going to uh, rule in the kingdom of the beast for one hour. It says, these have one mind, shall give their power and strength unto the beast. So these ten horns that are connected to the beast kingdom are giving their strength and power to the beast. These shall make war with the lamb. So now you're talking against the ecclesia. You're talking about Israel. You're talking about the true Israeli people, the true born-again spirit kingdom of the ecclesia, what we call the church today. So there's going to be a war with the Lamb, and the Lamb shall overcome them. There's no doubt about that. But for Revelation 13, it says, what? You have to go back to Revelation 13 and understand the timing of it. In Revelation 13, it says, In verse 7, and it was given unto him to make war with the saints, so this is the beast kingdom, making war with the saints, and to overcome them. And power was given unto him over all kindreds and tongues and nations. So a time will come when the beast will rise in a one world government. These ten horns will be connected, and they will make war. But the the lamb will eventually overcome them. But we know in Revelation 13 that the saints will be overcome for three and a half years. For three and one half years, there will be no influence of the ecclesia of God upon this earth. The church will be in the wilderness, many. Many will be persecuted. Many will come under what we've seen in ancient empires. Many, like in Nazi Germany and the Jews, are going to suffer greatly I mean, this is what's coming under a global, one-world government, in a digital currency world, In, in af- after nuclear explosions everywhere out of the ashes, this thing is going to come, I believe. Um, this is what Scripture is saying. So, these will make war with the Lamb. The Lamb shall overcome them, for he is Lord of lords and King of kings. They that are with him are called the chosen and faithful. So, there will be those who endure to the end that will be chosen and faithful, they will ultimately get the victory over the beast, over the over all the, the work of the enemy. Whew. And he said unto me, the waters which you saw where the whore sits and are, are peoples and multitudes and nations and tongues, the ten horns which you saw upon the beast, these shall hate the whore. Now it's getting to Mystery Babylon, the secret societies, okay? and shall make her desolate and naked and shall eat her flesh and burn her with fire. So these uh this how do you put this all together? So a global government coming against a particular um mystery Babylonian uh existence. We were talking about the Khazarian mafia in times past and how they changed their identity, making them a mystery, and yet they are into black magic, occultism, eating babies' hearts, drinking their blood, being pagans, extraordinaire, saying they are Jews but are not. So there's, a, there, there's an evil in that. And that yet the beast is going to burn mystery Babylon with fire. Who could that possibly be, right? So that's to be uh, understood. And then it says, for God has put in their hearts to fulfill his will and to agree and give their kingdom unto the beast until the words of God shall be fulfilled. And the woman that you saw is that great city which reigns over the kings of the earth. Wow, who's reigning over the kings of the earth today? Talked about the Khazarian Empire or the Mafia, the Rothschilds, the Banksters, all these different secret societies of Illuminati, uh, Trilateral Commission, uh, Club of Rome, uh, CFR, um, all these different Masonic lodges, uh, Freemasonry, all these things that exist in the empire of deception and mystery well in the end times these things are going to come crashing down to the ground Uh, there's going to be a great destruction of all of it so what are we saying here today nuclear war is a reality the detonation of nuclear weapons all over the united states of america and most likely around the world as well is real. The Bible actually predicts a time of these nuclear weapons going off. And it's it's throughout the Old Testament. And remember, we read the Old Testament because we learn from the prophets and from the past how God works today. God has never changed. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Covenants have changed, but God has never changed. We are in a new covenant. We're believers. We have eternal life. We, feel, we are filled with the Holy Spirit. We believe in Jesus Christ as our Savior and the Lord of heaven and earth. I mean, our covenant with God is eternal. So whether we live or die, we have eternal life with him. Our covenant is no longer the Mosaic law. We are not under the Mosaic law. The Mosaic law has been abolished, eradicated. I know that drives people crazy, but it's in your Bible. And as long as the Mosaic law is still being read, there's a veil over men's hearts and minds. There's no doubt about that. You and I are under a covenant of grace. You and I are under a covenant of mercy and truth and light and spirit, and it's the most beautiful covenant that does not make us least. It makes us even greater. So the covenant of grace brings everything to a higher vibration, if you want to call it that, than the low ebb of the Mosaic law. The spirit of God, the grace of God brings us up and out of the, uh, the, the, the depravity. It brings us out of the normality. It brings us out of Everything that's just low and in the spirit of Jesus Christ, everything is crackling, crystal clear, full of light and bright and color and life. Hallelujah. So that doesn't change the fact, however, that nuclear wars, bombs, pestilences exist. We just walked through 2020 with the so-called pandemic and vaccinations and all these different things that were going on that everybody got super confused about, wearing masks, et cetera, et cetera that was real. That touched the church, didn't it? Many of the churches shut down. Their doors were locked. They were distanced. They were masked. They were controlled over a pandemic. That's what really happened. So when we get into the idea of, well, nuclear war doesn't matter, this, that, and you were here for the pandemic. Now, the Bible's declaring, we will be here during a time of war. And when it comes to one world power, and you take Nazi Germany, now, let's, let's look at what the Bible just said. Let's do it this way. If you take Egyptian, go back to the Egyptian Empire and how it enslaved the Israelis. Remember? They were slaves in the house of bondage. When you go back to the Assyrian Empire, they were brutal and they were vicious. And when they came and, and attacked the, the Jewish people, violent. Babylon, violent. Destroyed the temple. The Medo-Persian Empire, the Uh, The bear, they were powerful enemies, but there was favor in that kingdom towards the Jews. Then came the Grecian Empire, the Roman Empire, very powerful, then Nazi Germany. Just think about Nazi Germany. I'm not saying they were the seventh. I'm just saying consider the power of Germany against the Jews, all right? So, or whoever they were that was in that conflagration, when you look at it and you just see concentration camps, millions of people dying, you get a picture of what the end will be like. All these ancient empires under the satanic influence of Satan himself that was in Egypt, that was in Medio persia that was in Babylon. Remember, spirit was behind all of it. Uh, Satan Lucifer was behind all of it. He was, a, it was just like a, a, a thought of it in this one, a thought of it in that one. He appeared here. But in the last days, having amassed all power in the fullness of his manifestation as Lucifer, the Antichrist, the one and only, the man of sin, the little horn, the beast. Well, now, what kind of persecution? Well, that's what the book of Revelation is all about. Three and a half years of great tribulation, not the wrath of God, but the wrath of the dragon against everything that's called God. So whatever survives World War III, whatever survives the population uh, eradication mandate that's on the earth right now to wipe out over 4 billion people, whatever survives that, we're going to see a, a conglomeration. The beast shall come. He shall take his position. And for three and a half years, he will do everything in his satanic energy and power to destroy everything belonging to God, including blaspheming the God of heaven. And he will be unrestrained. There will be no resistance to this beast for three and a half years. That's why we believe that a lot of people are going to suffer. A lot of people are going to die. A lot of people are going to fall away. A lot of people are going to turn back. They're not ready for this. Most of the church believes they won't be here when this happens. That they'll be gone in the the tribulation. Other people are doing the best they can to prepare as preppers. But if they don't have the mind of Christ, I don't think it's going to prevail anything. Because if you're not in the book of the Lamb, you're going to worship the beast if you're on this earth. That's what the Bible says. Whoever's name was not written in the Lamb's book of life is going to be worshiping the dragon and worshiping the beast, period. So you're not going to just survive the evil and yet not turn to Christ. It's not going to happen. Then there will be others that are going to be in the wilderness prepared by God for them. There's an ark, like in the days of Noah, prepared by God. They may have built it, but it was God's blueprint. Noah, build the ark this way. There will be refuges. There will be um, underground shelters. There will be places where He'll say, "Enter into your chamber, shut the door until the indignation be overpassed." These will be God-fearing people who love the Lord, and He's going to provide for them. He's going to have a supernatural protection over His people in the book of Revelation chapter three, the Church of Philadelphia. Um, because you've kept the word of my patience, I will keep you from the hour of temptation that shall come upon the whole world to try them that dwell upon the face of the whole earth. So there's plenty of room for Goshen's to exist while the Egyptian empire is in power. And even while the Egyptian empire is in power, there's still Goshen, places of security, while the Egyptian empires are being destroyed as well when judgment hits the empires of the world. I think that's going to be a very sound reality. Now, are, you, are we ready for these things is the question. Did 2020 take us off guard? It shouldn't have if we were tuned into Bible prophecy because people were prophesying these things to come. I shared briefly yesterday on our program about a dream that I had two days ago. It was a very real dream. It was very vivid. I don't know what's going on in my mind, but in my dreams, even last night, I'm getting these black markers are writing specific information in the dreams. And I'm not going to claim anything. All I'm going to say in reminder is that at one point I was at a bench trying to witness to to Christ to some people. Next thing I know, everybody was gone. They left behind a phone. I was trying to contact them, so I'm seeing all these numbers, and a black horse kept showing up like a chess piece, uh, the black horse on chess, and it kept showing up next to a certain number. So I dialed that number, and I'm transported now into another part of the dream, and I'm walking very colorful, and I'm walking through a huge grocery store place, I, and it wasn't Walmart, it was different, and it was packed out, the parking lot was packed out. People were sitting on the ground. They looked bewildered. Bewildered. I walked into the store, and I saw the blood. And I realized that a mass shooting had just occurred. But then I came out of the store, and what I realized upon awakening was the black horse on that phone. And so I looked at the black horse in Revelation chapter 6, and that talks about economic imbalance, and food shortages, and crises. Now, you've probably heard it 100 times, but let's just listen to it one more time. The price of food is rising right now. The wheat basket, Ukraine, is under attack right now. There's an illusion going on in the world with smoke and mirrors, and nobody knows what's true. We don't know what's really happening, but what we do know is that the price of food at the checkout stand, has risen. We know that the price of gasoline at the gas pump has risen. And whatever they're toying with or playing, I tell you they're only playing into God's word. And I do believe that there is a sword in the hand of a slayer. And God said in Ezekiel chapter 21, it's my sword that I'm going to put into the hand of a slayer. If Russia is the slayer, it's only because they're going to fulfill God's word. And John F. Kennedy talked about the nuclear sword of Damocles. And so if God is going to release the nuclear sword through Russia, he'll do it by putting a thought in someone's head to push the button, whatever that means. He'll influence someone's heart. We just read it in Revelation 17. God puts a thought into their heart to fulfill his will. This is now pounding at the door. Many years ago, in January of 2004, It was January 5th, 2004, as I was driving up Interstate 15 from San Diego to Temecula. I had an open vision. The open vision, I saw mushroom clouds off to my right as I'm driving. And I'm seeing the mushroom clouds as real as they were brown. I saw the whole thing. And then it wasn't just one. It was another one and another one. And I tried to slap it out of my head and say, oh, get that, get that out of my head. It was my birthday. That's why I remember the date. And now I was at peace. Now I'm sitting up straight driving going, what is that? in the Holy Spirit dialogue and said, this is where the enemy wants to go. They want to detonate seven to 15 nuclear weapons on the same day in seven to 15 major cities across this country. Amos chapter eight talks about a dark day where the lights will go out. Nuclear weapons not only have the potential to bring destruction, but they also can be detonated above us in space and they could wipe out the electrical grid. A friend of ours, Cindy, who's a frequent chatter in our room, in our chat room, she told the church on, I think it was Tuesday night, she told us that she's a bus driver. She was driving her bus, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, the bus just shut down. She didn't, couldn't figure it out. It just shut down like it had never started before. And immediately I thought, that's exactly what it's going to be like when the lights go out, when the electromagnetic pulse, when the nuclear weapon is detonated above our airspace, when the cyber attack hits, when uh, software comes and is manipulated, whatever it's going to take for the lights to go out, the Bible predicts a day of darkness, that the earth will go dark. I will darken the earth. The earth is going to go dark. 31 years ago, I had an open vision or a dream. I don't know what it was, but it was right before becoming a pastor, I had a dream that I was taken up into space. I'm in space. It's black as could be. I'm swirling around. I finally settled. I look down. I could see planet Earth. I began to descend towards planet Earth. And as I'm descending, I'm making out the different continents. Then I could see the North American continent and the tail of Florida. But I noticed in the vision, in the dream, that the North American continent was dark. And there were like little tiny lights, a little light here and a little light there and a little light here. And I keep descending. And these lights are spread out. I landed somewhere and I think was Boston on the East Coast. I hear somebody walking through the midnight. It's like charcoal gray atmosphere. This person, terrified, knocks on the door. In the spirit, I'm following them. A man of God opens the door. He has x-ray vision. He's peering into the man's soul. He sees that this man has been playing games with God. He's afraid. He wants a place to hide for his flesh. I go into the living room in the vision. I hear the most beautiful music, a golden flask of oil. The lid is off. Healing, beautiful presence of God. The man of God will not let that other man in because he quenched the spirit and grieved the spirit. So he closed the door to him. The man went off to another house. With the light on God was telling me back then when I didn't know about EMPs nuclear weapons uh, cyber warfare uh, coronial mass ejections lights out I knew none of that all I knew is in a vision there was a time on this earth and in this continent everything went dark but there were lighthouses he showed me the lighthouses where Christians gathered together seven or eight were in this particular one and the presence of God was in those homes There must have been a supernatural protection, Isaiah chapter 4, verse 5, I believe, says he's going to put his glory on every house, and he's going to set a defense around the glory. So I could see God putting a defense uh, around the glory that is in these home fellowships. That's why I believe home fellowships are where God wants everything to go, to get homes where saints of God are there, and then in that home, in the vision, they were being prayed for, supernatural healing, the presence of God beautiful worship, everything was perfect, peace, outside, darkness, fear, like, and, and I remember telling the story on in Zarephath, New Jersey, when I had become a pastor 30 years ago, and I'm on this Zarephath, New Jersey, telling them, yeah, in this vision, it felt like Russia had taken over the United States, and I'll never forget the guy saying, yep, the day is going to come, they're going to they're lock the doors of the churches, they're going to chain them up, I, that was 31 years ago, so in Zarafath, New Jersey, on a radio station that I shared the vision, and the guy was just right there with us. So here we are far away down the road, but it's getting closer to reality. So we're not making things up. These things are happening. They are at the door. They are real. And we should all be very, very prepared. (sighs) Preparation is not always easy. And I have believed, the, the only, and I learned this from my pastor before he died, that the only, the success of my life and my ministry, he told me, will be your balance. You have to remain balanced. And because, you know, with the, the things that I believe God has shown me uh, through his word, by his spirit, in visions, in prophetic unctions and anointings throughout my life, I would have a tendency to go far into one direction. And I remember my pastor saying, balance, everything is balanced. So when I saw myself going deep into these things, I I was reminded, come back and show the other side, show the glory, show the grace, show the love, show the provision, show that God is good. And so I, I have labored to be balanced in my ministry, especially on the airwaves and behind the pulpit. And so, while preparation is a very important thing, and we've been doing it, <clears throat> as under the Lord, so is living an abundant life. So is living in the joy of life. Because I know if I get imbalanced in one direction, and it's about preparing, I could become morbid. I could lose my joy. I could, I could lose everything. It it's not what God wants. So I balance preparation, seriously preparing, but I balance it with also living an abundant life. And this is, a, this is a razor's edge here. It's a razor's edge. I share those things with you on this Thursday, and tomorrow I'm going to pick them up, Lord willing, and take this a little bit deeper. And I hope that somehow what we shared today will quicken your pace. Don't get overbalanced with the good stuff and neglect to prepare. For these things are at the door. You just walked through a pandemic that shocked the world. The COVID-19 thing, it shocked the world because of how quickly it took over. Thank God there are some that stood the test and did not shut down, did not scatter, got even closer, kept the doors open, prayed, laid hands on the sick. These days are going to shake the wheat from the chaff, the sheep from the goats. Stay balanced. Stay aware. Stay in the covenant, God's love and grace. Keep the joy of the Lord, the peace of God. Live an abundant life, quality internal life. And then continue to prepare because you're going to need it. You're going to need everything you get. An extra bag of groceries, batteries, water, food, community, clothing, hot and cold. Prepare. Prepare for war. Prepare for war. God has revealed that the enemy wants to go here. A more moral nation and a more Christian nation could, could could trust God's protection. But an immoral nation like America today that slaughters the most innocent blood, that has men marrying men, all this perversion, all this sin, all this blasphemy coming out of Hollywood, a corrupt government, You cannot expect God's protection. The hedge is gone. The only hedge that will be found is in our faith in Jesus Christ. Obedience, love, sincerity, walking, learning, following the Lord, which is a glorious life. It's The best life ever. So stay the course. Stay the course, saints of God. So that's all I wanted to share today. I want to go to our chat room and say good morning to whoever might be there. And I got a, fa- a phone call actually coming in as well. I'll take that call. Let me say good morning to a few people. First of all, Kevin Hauger is with us. Good morning, all. Pastor Vincent, last night was different, but very enlightening. Yes, it was, but praise the Lord. Thank you, Kevin. Uh, Terry, good morning, Pastor. Up in your neck of the woods today. Terry, I'll be available after 4.30. I'd love to meet you. you give me a call, all right? Terry, give me a call. I'll give you my number before I go. Uh, Paul Jack, good morning, everyone. God bless you supremely. Thank you for the supreme blessing, Brother Paul. Uh, Terry says, Putin stated his goal, number one, demilitarize to denazify Ukraine. All right, it's going to happen. It's not turning back. I believe that uh, with all their gimmicks and plans and smoke and mirrors. Uh, Media is gaslighting people that they are bogged down, that they are not preserving infrastructure, minimizing life loss. Russia today is a Christian nation and not the evil empire of Reagan. I've heard that a lot lately. And that's because of the great deception that's going on today. It's amazing. Uh, Callie Reynolds, good morning, pastors. Good morning, Callie and Joyce and Charlotte. God bless you all. Safe journeys to everybody. Be super blessed. Make sure to come back refreshed, anointed, and appointed. Here we go. Uh, Kevin, having a blessed morning. Good uh, technology in last 20 years creates cavitation, bubbles around the torpedo, etc., allows it to generate great speeds underwater. Wow, Terry seems to know what he's talking about here. Phil Buswell says, will Vladimir Haman hang himself? Ah, Vladimir Haman. I don't think so because I think that America is more corrupt than the Ukraine, quite frankly. We have more blood on our hands than any other nation on the face of the earth because we knew better. We will be held in more stripes. To those who know to do right and don't do it, we'll have more stripes. Even upon those who do more evil, but they didn't know what we know, they'll get less stripes. America is about to be striped. No doubt about that. All right. Dimitri Duneman mentioned New York, L.A., Las Vegas, Florida, Sodom. As Sodom as an angel told him it will burn. I believe it's true. I believe it's going to happen. Pastor Jeff Bass, Groover, asked the Lord when it would happen, and he was told the following. When Russia opens her gates and lets masses go, free world will be occupied with transporting, housing, and caring for masses, and will let weapons down, cry peace and safety, and then it happens. Wow, what incredible information. Tammy Ivey says, good morning, my brethren. Greetings from Georgia. Grace and peace be multiplied to you. Shalom. Thank you for the blessing, Tammy. Diane Gravely says, peace to the body of Christ. This is great information. Thank you. Carol Carey, good morning. Brothers and sisters, God bless you. Thank you, Carol. Uh, Terry says, everyone, click like helps algorithm. Okay, so click like on this program, and I guess that's a good thing. Autumn Nichols. Autumn, I was just thinking of you and Travis yesterday. Trust you're doing well. She says, in reference to the world going dark, 29, immediately after the misery of those days, she's quoting a scripture, Matthew 24, 29, immediately after the misery of those days, the sun will turn dark, the moon will not give light, the stars will fall from the sky, the powers of the universe will be shaken. For this reason, let's not let solar power be a major part of our preparations. Thank you for that. It's really good information, actually. Autumn went on to say, when you were speaking of the one world government, I recall Pastor Patricia Joy's words from a few weeks back when she said, we've already fallen. I wonder if we've already fallen to a one world government with the WEF infiltrating the world governments and running them. Hmm. Remind me of WEF. For some reason, my brain went blank. Um, Shirley Wolseley, I pray often for the edge of protection, the hedge of protection around my family. Love last night's service. Good word. All right. So the WEF is what? The world something forum? I forget. I don't remember. uh, Autumn, share that with us, okay? Great comments, guys. Let's take a quick call, and then we're going to have to burst here pretty soon. All uh, right. Uh, the World Economic Forum. Thank you, Autumn. Very good. Let's take this call coming out of South Dakota. Our dear friends, Ken and Kathy, good morning. God bless you. Welcome to the broadcast. You're on the air.
0: Good morning. Yes, in regards to the gentleman, Henry Groover, 15 years ago, on May 23rd, 2007, we were in Eagle Butte. South Dakota at an Indian reservation. We had been invited there because Henry was going to be there and speak. And he, we had an opportunity to speak with Henry because we were at the same hotel. And one day we had an hour or so with him before the service. And he told us many things that would come to pass. And what you said this morning. That was one of the things that he spoke with us personally about. My husband and myself, and another couple. I want to say this. I'm not going to tell you this on air, but I need to tell you that five. He he was called to the Pentagon a lot, and there was some. Um, this was a time when Rumsfeld was uh, secretary. I don't know whatever part defense. he had yeah. played. Secretary of defense. defense. Mm-hmm. And he personally told. Henry Groover, five groups in America that the government was watching back there 15 years ago. And I'll talk to you about that personally later on. But you were right. This is a razor's edge. We are approaching and coming into this, and we must just get ready.
1: Amen. You know what's amazing? Talking with you, Kathy, right now, uh, confirming Henry Groover. people that may not know him, he walked throughout many nations in the earth, one of his great Countries to conquer in prayer. He was a prayer walker, uh, was Japan, if I understand it properly, but he walked all over the world and prayed. He had many open visions and dreams. And while we were hearing this 25, 30 years ago, whenever, um, everything that these men, Dimitri Dudeman, Henry Groover, and others that shared, it's kind of like it's the, the headline news today. And so I'm so glad that you met both Dimitri Dudeman and you met his grandson, Michael Bodea, and you met Henry Groover, and you're here to confirm and tell the story. I find that absolutely credible and amazing. And, yes, we need to prepare. This is the razor's edge.
0: Yes. God bless you. Bye-bye. Okay.
1: God bless you. I can't wait to hear who those five groups are that they've been watching Um, I'm sure it's going to be fascinating. Okay. Okay, I think we're done. Balance it out. We're going to be gathering together this weekend. I hope you'll join us over at New Wine Ministries in Bella Vista. You can find us on our website at nwmglobal.org. I'll put that on the screen right now. If you go to this website, nwmglobal.org, you can get a map of where we're meeting Um, and and we're going to have a great gathering time together. We hope you'll be there. We want you to come and be invited, and we're going to talk about many things and uh, remaining balanced. And may God give us the wisdom and the ability to present his word in a very living, real, genuine way. Uh, That's what we seek to do. So find us. Come and join us. Saturday, 5.30 p.m. Sunday, 2 p.m. Uh, Come be a part of what we're doing. We will look forward to you. Also, on this same website, I'm going to ask some of you folks out there today if you would consider supporting the ministry. Uh, We've gone kind of quiet in the last week or so. And again, we're just looking for some uh, individuals to partner with us in the ministry. We thank God for all of you who do, and we praise the Lord for that. So remember, you could always give to this ministry online. You could do it by going to omegaradio.org or this uh, donate tab that's on the screen right now, or by text, or by mail, uh, either way. So think about it, pray about it, and we appreciate it. More importantly, keep praying for us, please. Please pray for Patricia and I. Please pray, if you're not a part of New Wine Ministries, but you're, you're, you're part of it in another way, please keep our ministry in prayer. God is, is prophetically speaking over our ministry about some things he wants to do in it and through it. We are asking for the breakthrough anointing. David said he called to the God of the breakthrough so he would break in upon his enemies so that the purpose of God would go forth. New Wine Ministries is destined to break through and to do some things. I know it involves home fellowships. I know uh, that this has to happen, but there's, there's just more of an influence. We are believing for a microburst of divine energy and power of the Holy Spirit suddenly fall upon this, this work and ministry, I hope you're there when it happens. <laughs> We're going to keep showing up because we want it to happen, a microburst of the glory of God to, to enable us to have more wisdom, influence, and preparations. Folks, we love you, and we bless you in the name of Jesus. Have a great Thursday, and uh, we'll see you tomorrow by the grace of God. Until we meet again, I'm Pastor Vince. Shalom. Have a blessed day.